0: We're just waiting for Dr. Dina Hinshaw and Education Minister Adriana Lagrange to start their news conference where we're going to get a little more clarity around exactly what's going to be happening in the province of Alberta in the coming weeks. Of course, kids head back to school in, I think it's about three weeks, something like that. Uh, the Thursday before Labor Day, I believe, is when the first day of whatever classes look like at the beginning and then they get going in earnest after Labor Day. Uh, So we've got a few weeks yet and um, you've heard school boards across the province and the teachers union all clamoring to say we need some guidance. We need some understanding as to what it's going to look like when we head back you know, is there going to be certain protocols in place? Are kids going to have to wear masks in the hallways, in classroom? You know, all, all this sort of stuff. So we're, we're waiting to see exactly what that is. And that's what the education minister will provide this morning for sure. And then the other story that came to light last night was um, there was an emergency meeting held by the UCP cabinet yesterday, where one of the topics that they discussed was the whole removal of the test, trace, and isolate component of our pandemic response, which was supposed to go away uh, on Monday. Uh, And a lot of people, as you know, were very, very concerned by this, um, including the federal health minister, um, other medical officers of health from across the uh, country. Um, It it made news in the United States. It was a pretty big deal because, as Jason Kenney said, somebody has to be first, and Alberta was going to be first. So um, that's what the situation was. But now there's reports that it's going to be pushed back. Uh, The news conference just getting underway. Uh, Let's listen to Dr. Dina Hinshaw.
1: Good morning, everyone, and thank you for coming today. The last time I stood in front of you, I shared with you the plan to shift towards a more sustainable approach to COVID-19, where we could use an enhanced version of the public health systems that manage other respiratory viruses to also manage COVID. At that time, I promised you that we would closely monitor COVID-19 for a two-week period and adapt as needed before the remaining changes came into effect on August 16th. Throughout COVID-19, I have been committed to following the data and evidence, and my team has been nimble, adjusting our recommendations as needed when the facts have supported it. Since I made my previous recommendations, I have been watching local and international data closely, and two items have emerged that have led me to recommend that we adjust our approach and defer the changes originally scheduled for August 16th. First, current non-ICU hospitalizations in our province are trending somewhat higher than we anticipated. Our initial modeling showed that at this time we would expect to have about 90 total cases in hospital. Compared to 146 cases in hospital today, This is an increase of 62% over our projections. To be clear, there is no issue with hospital capacity. Anyone who needs treatment will be able to get it, either for a COVID-related illness or for an unrelated issue. However, it is important to take some additional time to monitor the situation. Second, we are closely watching the emerging evidence from the United States about pediatric cases with the Delta variant. The experience in the US has been different from the information from the United Kingdom, which we used to inform our original decision. In the UK, the Delta variant did not cause a different experience in children than previous COVID waves. Children under 15 remained the lowest risk of severe outcomes from infection. In the US, unfortunately, hospitalizations in children have started to rise, most significantly in states with lower overall immunization rates. It seems most likely that the reason for the difference between these two settings is the level of adult immunization which is protective for children via reduced household and other community transmission. In the UK, almost 75% of adults have received two doses of vaccine, while in Florida, one of the states where high hospitalizations have been reported in children, only 60% of adults have been fully vaccinated. In Alberta, at just over 67% of the eligible population fully immunized, we are in the middle of these two. Given this emerging evidence, I want to further monitor these trends. I do not share this information to cause alarm. To date, we have not seen a similar rise in severe cases in youth here in Alberta. Since July 1st, we have only had seven cases in hospital under the age of 18. However, it is important to monitor our trends in a consistent way and to continue to require cases to isolate while we do so. Based on these developing factors, I have recommended that we pause the next step in our transition for a period of six weeks until September 27th. Not only does this allow us to do further monitoring it also gives us more time to increase vaccination levels, which is the number one most important thing adults and older children can do to protect themselves and younger children and others around them. If monitoring confirms our original expectations that arise in cases will not lead to high levels of hospitalizations, and we do not see evidence of increased risk for severe disease for children, We will proceed with implementing this next set of changes after September 27th. However, this means for the time being, provincial masking orders for transit, school buses, taxis, and ride shares remain in effect. Isolation will continue to be legally required for those with core COVID-19 symptoms and those who test positive for COVID-19. And symptomatic testing will continue to be available at assessment centres by self-referral. I want to be clear that it is still important for us to continue to work towards a sustainable approach to managing COVID-19 that considers the harms of interventions as well as the direct harms from COVID-19. This is why the changes related to contact tracing that came into effect July 29th remain in effect. We are not going backwards, we are pausing to monitor and assess before taking a next step forward. Having said that, I am sorry that the way that I have communicated about these changes and the rapid pace of them has caused distress. My team is working to summarize the evidence that has informed my belief that this is the best way forward for the health of Albertans and I am committed to both providing you with that evidence and listening to your perspectives. The other information I am here to share today is about plans for returning to school. I know that we all care deeply about our children and their safety and well-being, and there are a variety of perspectives on how to best balance all the risks they face. With that in mind, the guidance we are releasing today considers the risks of COVID-19, as well as the risks of public health measures on children's overall health and well-being. It is important that we look at all factors that support physical, mental, and emotional health, to make sure that precautions are proportionate to overall risk level. It is in this broader context that our provincial guidance has been crafted. We know that the public health measures that were necessary last year to control COVID-19, including the temporary closure of schools to in-person learning, quarantine of entire classes, and cancelling extracurricular events, have been associated with a deterioration in the mental health of children and youth. Many children have reported increased feelings of social isolation, depression, and anxiety. It is important to keep the negative impacts of these measures in mind, particularly when looking at a population that is at lower risk of severe outcomes from COVID-19. Looking at our data right here in Alberta, children have had very low rates of severe illness compared with other health risks. For example, last year in 2020, Four times more school-aged children were admitted to hospital for fall-related injuries, and almost eight times as many were admitted to hospital for anxiety disorders than for COVID-19. Overall, less than half of 1% of all diagnosed COVID cases in school-aged children have required hospital care, and thankfully there have been no COVID-related deaths in children. I recognize that for those families who had a child in hospital, The fact that this was rare did not take away that challenge for them. I would not wish that experience on families, and yet I also know that we cannot prevent every health risk for our children. In fact, sometimes when we take action to avoid one risk, we increase risk in other areas. We have worked closely with Alberta Education and Alberta Health Services to develop guidance to prevent and manage all respiratory illnesses in schools. This guidance includes expectations around good public health practices, such as staying home when sick and regular hand hygiene and cleaning. Masking will not be universally required in schools across the province, but may be recommended as one of several temporary interventions for respiratory outbreaks in general. Throughout the coming school year, school officials can also make decisions that are right for them and their communities. This includes the ability to consider putting health measures in place for their schools that may exceed those put in place across the province in response to particular needs and contexts in their areas. It is also important for families to consider their individual risks and contexts and make decisions that are best for them, such as for those who may choose to continue to wear masks. In return, schools and school authorities are expected to support these personal choices wherever possible. The best choice we can make to protect ourselves and our children is to be fully immunized. We have a strong ally on our side with vaccines. Having as many people immunized as possible will protect both those who have received their vaccine as well as those who are not yet able to get one. This is why before the school year begins, I am asking all eligible Albertans to get vaccinated against COVID-19 as soon as possible. The school year begins for most students in about three weeks, and it takes about two weeks to develop the highest protection after getting your second dose. Although it is best to get a vaccine before school starts, for those who aren't able to do so, we will also offer COVID-19 vaccines in schools. Immunizations will be available through temporary clinics in schools for students in grades 7 to 12, as well as teachers and staff, starting on September 7th. Right now, only about half of youth 12 to 17 are fully vaccinated, providing vaccines through school ensures vaccines will be accessible to all eligible school aged Albertans in the province. By continuing to get fully vaccinated following recommended guidance and managing outbreaks together we can support children safely returning to school this fall. We have been through a lot in the past year and a half and our kids' lives in particular have been profoundly changed. COVID has taken a lot from them by the impacts of the measures that we have needed to use to protect our communities. However, vaccines give us the chance to change that. I wish everyone a healthy return to school, and I will now turn the podium over to Minister LaGrange.
0: So those are the comments from Dr. Dina Hinshaw talking about what we can expect as the kids head back to school and as we expected a six-week pause on the changes that were supposed to take effect as of um, Monday, August 16th. We're going to squeeze in a short break here and then come back and hear from the Education Minister, Adriana LaGrange, right after this bringing you live coverage of the news conference with Dr. Dina Hinshaw where we've already heard some of the changes a 6 week extension to the lifting of anything that was supposed to happen this Monday it'll now be September 27th. Now we are hearing from Education Minister Adriana Lagrange with more around the guidance that schools will get as the kids head back to class this month. Let's listen in.
2: Thank you Dr. <clears throat> Pardon me. Thank you Dr. Hinshaw and good morning to everyone. Thanks To the power of vaccines and the dedication of Albertans, parents, students, and school staff can look forward to a normal school year this September, which includes a return to in-person classes, field trips, team sports, extracurricular clubs, school celebrations, and reconnecting with friends and colleagues international student programs work experience and graduation celebrations can all continue as they normally would and all with no restrictions i'm very much looking forward to a normal school experience this fall and i know there are many many alberta parents and students who are also looking forward to it In June, we we provided school authorities with a guidance document for the 21-22 school year so that they could start planning for this fall. We also promised that additional guidance would be coming mid-August, and I'm pleased that we have met that timeline. I'm grateful to Dr. Hinshaw and her team of experts for providing critical needed guidance as schools prepare to welcome students and staff back this fall. The public health guidance information tells us how to manage and prevent respiratory illnesses, including COVID-19, taking into account students' overall well-being, mental health, and learning needs. While schools will not have to follow last year's measures, they will still use good health practices and follow certain health guidelines. Students will return to in-person learning and many activities with no restrictions, Consistent with the extended timelines for easing COVID-19 measures that Dr. Hinshaw just announced, students and school staff should screen daily for core symptoms and must, must isolate if they have the core COVID-19 symptoms or test positive. Although masking will not be mandated in schools, it will still be required on school buses until at least September 27th. A detailed 2021-22 school year plan contains two contingency scenarios for continuing student learning if there is a significant change in the COVID-19 situation. Measures like cohorting, masking, and spacing will not be required, except in an outbreak situation, which Alberta Health Services will determine with our schools. And everyone Everyone who wants to wear a mask must be supported to do so. After all, we all need to make choices based on our individual situations. Getting vaccinated, staying home when sick, good ventilation, cleaning, and hygiene practices are all key to ensuring we can keep moving forward. Throughout the pandemic, we have trusted local school authorities to make decisions that work for their schools, and their school communities. School authorities have the ability and the corresponding accountability for any additional local measures they may choose to put in place. This could include physical distancing, cohorting, and mask requirements that may exceed provincial guidance. And at this stage of the pandemic we believe such such measures are best left to local authorities to decide for themselves. As Dr. Hinshaw has said, Alberta Health Services will be working with school authorities to administer COVID-19 vaccines in schools for students in grades seven to 12, teachers and staff. School authorities have a long history of working with Alberta Health Services to deliver in school vaccination programs. And I am confident that school authorities will welcome public health officials into their schools quickly to offer any additional ways to get the covid 19 vaccine into arms of students and staff who need their first or second dose it is so important for albertans to get vaccinated to protect others vaccines are safe they are effective and they save lives i echo dr hinshaw in encouraging parents not to wait for their children to get their first or second shot at school everyone who is eligible to get vaccinated should do so as soon as they are able I also know parents are concerned about younger children. I understand firsthand the anxiety this creates for parents, guardians and loved ones. Every parent and every family will need to think about their personal situation and take precautions that make sense for them. I know this is challenging for many and I believe that as more people get vaccinated and as we continue to follow good health practices, we will help protect each other. We knew there would be challenges when students returned to school and to classes last year. And Alberta's government ensured we were there to support our students and our staff. Prior to the pandemic, school boards reported $363 million in taxpayer operating reserve dollars. At the end of the first wave of the pandemic, school boards reported $383 million in taxpayer operating reserve dollars. And early data shows that school boards have over $400 million in taxpayer operating reserve dollars. This highlights that school divisions have been able to increase their reserve dollars during the pandemic and I'm confident that school divisions have the funding they need as they go back to school. In this upcoming school year, we are also providing school authorities with more than $130 million in COVID mitigation funding. School divisions can use this money as they see fit to address their local needs. This is on top of the over $1 billion in support school divisions have had access to during the pandemic. Alberta's government provided school divisions with $250 million in accelerated capital maintenance and renewal funding for things such as HVAC and mechanical upgrades. It should be noted that of the $250 million provided by the provincial government, school divisions chose to spend approximately $44 million on HVAC and ventilation upgrades in schools. We also made sure that students, families, and Albertans could access mental health supports and referrals from anywhere in Alberta. And this year, to jumpstart student learning, (coughs) pardon me, And this year, to jumpstart student learning, all school authorities can access $45 million in new funding for intensive small group literacy and numeracy programming for students in grades one to three. This funding will help ensure that no student gets left behind. As we enter this new school year, learning in a safe environment remains our top priority. We will monitor the situation closely. We will remain in regular contact with school authorities to address challenges that may arise, and we will continue to follow the expert advice of our Chief Medical Officer of Health and her expert team. I'm confident everyone will continue to do their part to keep our schools safe as learning continues. I am incredibly grateful for all and want to personally thank every teacher, parent, student, school member, administrator, board trustee, and anyone who's involved in education for their diligence and hard work to keep our communities safe. I encourage everyone to read the guidance document and other helpful information, such as the parent guide on alberta.ca slash return to school. And if you or anyone you know is unsure about vaccinations, please visit alberta.ca slash vaccines. You'll find helpful facts to counter common myths, explaining how vaccines are safe, are effective and save lives. Once again, thank you to Dr. Hinshaw and your team for preparing this guidance document for our schools. I want to wish every student, every parent and staff member the very, very best as they wrap up their summer and look forward to an exciting new school year. Thank you.
0: It's Education Minister Adriana Lagrange uh, giving an update on what we can expect to see as the kids head back to school uh, in September. So this morning we're getting updated information from Dr. Dina Hinshaw and the Education Minister Adriana Lagrange about what happens next in Alberta's pandemic response, uh, the bottom line, uh, Dr. Hinshaw saying all the things that were supposed to happen on Monday, the 16th of August, are now being postponed by six weeks. Uh, it'll happen September 27th. That means the ending of isolation, testing, tracing, all those sorts of things will be delayed. Also means you going to need to continue to wear a mask on public transit and in rideshares and in taxi cabs and things like that. As far as school goes, um, not a lot there. Adrian Lagrange says... Um, It should be a normal school year in terms of field trips and athletics and extracurricular activities and all that sorts of stuff. No limitations on that whatsoever. Um, Masks will not be mandated in schools, but they will be on school buses until September 27th. Um, So pretty much normal school boards will have the authority to do things as they see fit though and as she said things will be closely monitored there's a lot more information to get to right now the reporters are putting questions to uh dr hinshaw and the minister to try and get more clarity and uh, some more insight into these decisions so uh let's listen into what they have to say
2: let's put through the first caller first is licia cabella with
3: post media go ahead licia Thank you. Uh, Good morning, Dr. Henshaw. You said in your um, comments that eight times more children were hospitalized for anxiety disorders than for COVID during these past 18 months. Was this as a result of the lockdown, their health measures? And how does this differ from previous pre-COVID years? Um, Do you have any hard numbers on that?
1: Thank you for the question. The um, data to be clear from uh, hospitalizations for anxiety is from the year 2020. So when we're looking at comparisons, we're looking at uh, a year and a half of COVID data compared with only one year of the other data. We, we don't have um, the most recent data on pediatric hospitalizations for other issues other than COVID which we're tracking closely. So, in fact, the, uh, the difference, if we were just to look at a one-year time period, would likely be even greater. Um, the difference between the hospitalization level, pediatric hospitalizations for anxiety in 2020 compared with previous years uh, is slightly higher, not dramatically higher, but it is interesting um, to note that other... Um, types of hospitalizations such as asthma. So in 2020, there was a dramatic drop in pediatric hospitalizations for asthma, which is one of the reasons why I believe it's critical that we look not just at COVID, but other risks and consider what kinds of sustainable interventions help to protect children from multiple respiratory infections, not just COVID. So uh, again, the anxiety related change was was minor, but it was slightly higher than in previous years.
3: Do you have a follow-up? I do. Um, So, I've actually spoken with a uh, father of a a daughter, 12 years old, who uh, killed herself um, and who um, he attributes that to having to have been isolated a few times through the school year. And um, so, I'm just wondering if you have seen an increase in suicides amongst children over this
1: first let me say that that is a a tragedy and my condolences to that family that's a um, situation that no one should have to face and if anyone is struggling with mental health issues it's important to note that there are supports available and would encourage anyone who's either personally or indirectly through a family member struggling with that to reach out through either HealthLink or uh, look for re- resources online through Help in Tough Times at Alberta Health Services. So um, again, this is, uh, is something that we do have supports for. We have not seen an overall increase in suicides compared to previous years. I don't have the age breakdown for that, uh, but in, when we look at 2020 compared to previous years, the, the overall suicides thankfully actually seem to be somewhat lower. Uh, however, I want to stress every, of course, life lost is a tragedy and that we need to do everything we can to prevent that.
2: Operator, can you please put through the next caller?
1: Next
3: Kelly Criderman with the Globe and Mail. Go ahead, Kelly. Hi, Dr. Hinshaw. I'm wondering, you, you referenced uh, that hospitalizations are higher than you would have expected at this point. Will you release some of that data so we know what you're measuring and what is factoring into your decisions about uh, removing these restrictions or removing these uh, test, trace, isolate measures or not?
1: Absolutely. I committed to doing that last week. And my team has been working hard on um, a synthesis of all of that evidence in a form that... Uh, we can release publicly. The challenge is, of course, with uh, some of the changes that we've noted over the past week with the analysis required on those to put forward a a changed recommendation and then to uh, implement the change once the the decision was made. There's been quite a lot on on the team's plate this week. So it hasn't moved quite as quickly as we wanted it to in terms of that evidence summary. So that is something that will be released. And uh, again, just we need to make sure that we're putting it together in a way that isn't just fragmented bits, but it's actually a kind of synthesis of all of that evidence that lays out the rationale for the recommendations that I have made.
2: Do you have a follow-up, Kelly?
3: Yes, I do. I'm wondering why the decision was made not to have a universal masking mandate for schools this fall in place.
1: We know that masking is something that is a reasonable extra layer of protection against multiple respiratory viruses. We also know that masking comes with uh, some challenges such as... Difficulty with communication and social interactions. And in fact, last year when we had a universal masking mandate in uh, our schools, it was for those in grades four and up, the older children for whom there was, um, again, a a greater risk of of transmission. So now that uh, older students who are the most likely to transmit are able to access vaccines, which again is the number one most important thing we can do, and knowing that last year we did not have a provincial mask mandate for those in grades three and under because of some of those challenges. Um, It was my belief, as we have done with previous policy decisions, that there needed to be local input and flexibility uh, because it's really those who are most impacted by the decision who need to be able to inform uh, weighing out some of those risks and benefits. And uh, so that is why, again, there is no requirement at a provincial level Uh, yet there is that ability for local decision-making informed by local perspectives and weighing out some of those risks and benefits.
0: So we're listening to the LOOS conference this morning with uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw and Education Minister Adriana LaGrange. Uh, I think we've heard um, what we need to
2: hear.